0: Hello and welcome to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. This week is the fourth discussion we're having about hydrogen technologies, and my guest is Richard Halsey, Capabilities Director of the Energy Systems Catapult. Richard, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks Gavin, great to be here.
0: So just to start us off, what's the UK's overall energy system look like now? And how will that need to change in the next 30 years as we head towards net zero emissions?
1: Well, Gavin, the UK has a complex interconnected energy system today of energy generation, distribution and consumption. Uh, Electricity is produced predominantly by coal, natural gas, biofuels and increasingly renewable energy, including offshore, onshore wind and solar. Natural gas also plays a major role in heating the majority of our homes in the UK. And liquid fuels have a big role in our road, transport, aviation and shipping. To get to net zero is going to require a significant change in the mix of energy that we use. It will require complete decarbonisation of that electricity and also the energy used in our industry. And most importantly, the energy we use in our homes, buildings and transportation, which is going to bring bring it much closer to our lives and the impact it has on us than the decarbonisation that we've seen over the last 20 years.
0: So that's an awful lot of changes. What are the parts of that energy system that hydrogen technologies can make a significant contribution towards?
1: Hydrogen has a, a big potential to be used in a wide variety of applications. That's why it's so interesting and exciting. It has a really significant potential to be applied in those hard-to-reach sectors, for example, in decarbonizing industry, heavy goods vehicles, aviation, and shipping. There's also the potential for it to be used in other forms of transport and potentially even in meeting our peak heating demands and also potentially electricity production in the future.
0: And how close to reality are the technologies to do some of the things that you've just been talking about?
1: The maturity of technologies to be able to produce hydrogen are quite proven very mature they are used they are um, being deployed in other contexts and have been for quite a while whether that's steam methane reforming or electrolysis the application uh, of hydrogen is the thing that we're predominantly looking at changing it's obviously predominantly been used in uh, industrial chemical processes for for a long time we're now looking and thinking about how it's going to be applied in a in a, in a very different context and most importantly at a very different scale.
0: So you've talked about the technologies to generate hydrogen obviously it's green to use but quite energy intensive to make so what advantages does hydrogen have over just using generated electricity or either directly or via batteries?
1: Hydrogen is is very energy dense but currently it is very expensive to produce however in a zero carbon future Hydrogen could be much better suited than, for example, electricity to meeting high temperature industrial uh, process energy demands and also some different uh, transportation energy demands. There is also the potential to produce hydrogen using excess or surplus renewable energy, of which we will highly likely have much more than we do today, and then store this and use it when there is more demand and less renewable energy supply.
0: To what extent do we need Blue hydrogen. That's hydrogen produced mainly by natural gas with the emitted CO2 uh, taken out of the system via carbon capture and storage. Shouldn't we just go for green hydrogen, particularly since you just mentioned that we're going to have a, an excess of renewable energy supply?
1: It's a, it's a really good question, Garrett. Gavin. Um, I, I think the reality is blue hydrogen is much cheaper to produce today than green. A twin track approach, so supporting both blue and green hydrogen is really important in the early stages of development of a a nascent industry. Blue has a potentially important role in supporting near-term applications and helping us build the associated infrastructure and supply chains that will need to underpin a much more significant use of hydrogen within our energy system.
0: How will the mix then of blue and green hydrogen change over time? How the how the mix
1: of hydrogen changes over time is quite uncertain and it is dependent on a number of different factors. There is the potential for significant cost reduction in green hydrogen production as a result of much greater industrial scale demonstration and application. Suggesting that we're going to see a much greater contribution over time as we move to 2050 from green hydrogen. For blue hydrogen to have a significant long-term role in 2050 and beyond, we're going to need carbon capture and storage, as you point out. But that carbon capture and storage is going to have to achieve high capture rates that we're going to need innovation to ensure blue can have a long-term role. If it's not able to achieve that, we'll need to see the migration from green uh, from blue ultimately to green hydrogen.
0: So that development in carbon capture and storage, is there research along that way what's the sort of state of the art now in terms of uh, being able to capture with high enough capture rates
1: there's evidence uh, of the ability to capture with high capture rates but certainly more uh, needs to be done to be able to prove that it can be done at an industrial scale so there's examples of it of, of high capture rates being achieved but we obviously need to see CCUS at scale and we need to be confident that you can deploy and achieve those high capture rates in practice at that industrial scale that would be required
0: would you say that blue hydrogen with proper carbon capture and storage is as environmentally sustainable as green hydrogen or at least is environmentally sustainable enough for us to continue with it in the long term
1: I certainly think that the potential for uh, emissions reduction from blue hydrogen production with carbon capture and storage is significant enough for us to pursue the use of both blue and green hydrogen uh, in support of the net zero goals. Um, there are a number of considerations in the application and development of, of both blue and green hydrogen uh, production. But at this stage, I would certainly say it has enough of a potential role for us to continue to support, develop and invest and potentially in enabling that foundation of our hydrogen economy in the UK and realizing the potential benefits that that could bring to the UK.
0: And there's a suggestion to incorporate hydrogen production in the new Sizewell C sea nuclear facility. If that happens, how does that change the energy system going forward? Well,
1: hydrogen production from nuclear is a really potentially very important new option, particularly particularly where facilities can operate flexibly between the generation of electricity, hydrogen, and heat in the future. Um, I understand some as well as looking to demonstrate the potential of neutral, nuclear hydrogen production, um, but also um, look at the potential for direct air capture technology. Both of which could have a really important role in the shape of our energy system. Those technologies obviously need to be both uh, proven and then effectively integrated within our energy system for them to have a significant impact and role.
0: And how does that pan out over the future? What does it look like over the next 30 years?
1: I think the the need for um, demonstration and proving of those technologies and then obviously the uh, supporting policy and regulatory framework through the 2020s is needed to enable something to start to uh, mobilise and be deployed through the 2030s and 40s. We have to recognise that 2050 is is not far away in infrastructure terms. Um, So for net zero to be achieved, we need to be laying the foundations over the next five years uh, for us to be able to deliver at scale.
0: So talking about scale, what kind of scale of hydrogen production and usage do we need to have by 2050 in order to have a net zero energy system?
1: The work of the energy systems catapults and its whole energy system modelling environment found we could need as much as 300 terawatt hours of hydrogen by 2050. Now, that's pretty much equivalent to the size of the power system that we have in the UK today and would mean creating an entirely new energy vector in less than 30 years. We use less than a tenth of that amount today in the UK. So it's a significant challenge and a significant volume of hydrogen potentially. Also exploring many different possible scenarios, we found that um, over 200 terawatt hours in most cases was required to deliver our net zero goals. So we're looking at a significant volume and a significant scale up in a short period of time.
0: And. Is that even remotely achievable?
1: Well, we've seen uh, historically how in, in less than three decades there can be significant uh, change in deployment of both infrastructure. Um, we obviously need the supporting policy and regulatory environment. And as, as I said earlier, one of the, the main considerations is ensuring that the uh, impact that change has on people's lives is considered and, and, and factored. Um, But it certainly is not impossible. We've seen examples of major infrastructure rollouts. We've seen uh, central heating be deployed in our homes in less than that time frame. We've seen major changes in infrastructure, the deployment of renewable energy um, at a scale that was uh, not thought possible previously. So it's not it's not impossible.
0: And what would the government need to do over the next few years then to sort of simulate and incentivise some of these changes that are needed?
1: Well, I think it's fair to say the government's already sent a pretty clear signal of the importance of hydrogen with its commitment to production of five gigawatts by 2030 as part of its 10 point plan. What the government needs to do is underpin um, that commitment with the publication of its hydrogen strategy to provide a really clear roadmap for industry and the public sector and support investment at a sufficient scale that can position the UK as a leader in the context of a future global hydrogen economy. The government also needs to ensure that there's a clear focal point for research and development and innovation that is able to connect across both production, distribution and end use, and also ensure that hydrogen is considered as an integrated part of our future energy system.
0: So maybe just to finish off, you can sketch this out a little bit for me. We've got 30 years between now and 2050, so what do we need to do in the first 10? What do we need to do in the second 10? And, and so on. Just give me a shape of how we get from where we are now to this very large production of hydrogen. Impossible question, but there you go.
1: <laughs> Thanks, going. I'll, I'll give a bit of a go. So I mean, in the first 10 years, we need to invest in R&D, innovation and demonstration. We need to demonstrate green hydrogen at scale. And we need to build infrastructure strategies and plans that can support the deployment. The following 10 years, we need to see the delivery of infrastructure and the connection between production and use ramping up um, uh, to to a point where there is a significant uh, growing role uh, in our energy system, seeing fuel switching in industry, um, uh, increasing roles in those hard to reach sectors. Uh, We're seeing stimulus uh, driving different forms of use. And obviously in the final 10 years, we're really seeing the the push to scale. So we're starting to see much more adoption of use. We're starting to see the growth and extension of infrastructure. Uh, And the majority of uh, those hard to reach areas in industry in their final transition stages of switching over um, in terms of the uh, energy that they use. That's a bit of a cartoon for you.
0: Well, uh, let's uh, see how it goes over the next 30 years. Richard Halsey, thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Gavin.
0: You've been listening to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. This week, my guest was Richard Halsey, Capabilities Director of the Energy Systems Catapult. The topic of hydrogen technologies and net zero emissions was the subject of a webinar hosted by the Foundation on the 24th of February. A recording of that event, plus details of all our events, blogs and all editions of this podcast can be found on our website at www.foundation.org. Next week, we'll be discussing the effect of the coronavirus lockdown on the mental health of children and young people. And my guest will be Monica Jeffcutt, Chief Executive of Play Therapy UK.